to us this week. Would you let him know that right now? Amen. I bless you. Amen. Well, it has been a great honor to be here this week. I've enjoyed every meeting. This youth choir has just been a blessing this week. All you folks that sing in the youth choir, you're just tremendous. It's just been a great joy and an honor to be here. Um, you can't ever say enough. I, you, you go in a meeting, first night you kind of dread it. You don't know the people. You're strange to the people. You don't know them. You get a little upset and tired. You know, you're a little nervous-like. And, and then before the end of the week, you've made some new friends and, and you dread to leave. And that's kind of the way I feel tonight. I dread to leave, and, but uh, I appreciate God's goodness on your church here, how good God's been to you. And uh, you've got a great church, great, great church, great pastor and wife, and just great work going on here for the Lord in this community. And oh, what a community it is. Uh, uh, people everywhere. And uh, I was telling my wife about it last night, about the numbers of houses and people we live out in the country, kind of. And she said, it reminds me what you're telling me. She said, it reminds me of that song, People Need the Lord. And surely if there's ever a generation of people that need the Lord, uh, it's the generation we're living in. So thank you so much for being kind to me for the food, the offering, the fellowship, getting to meet some of you personally. It's just been a great joy. And uh, I was telling the pastor today, I've preached somewhere around 800 revivals in my life. And uh, this has probably been, if not the easiest, one of the very most, one of the very easiest revivals I've ever had to discern what to preach. It's just been easy to discern it. And then it's been easy to deliver it. I've had great liberty to preach. And... Uh, Everybody keeps telling me, turn my watch, throw my watch away. I don't do it for you. I do it for me. My health is not what it used to be. <laughs> and if I don't keep it down a little bit, I'll kill myself. And uh, <clears throat> I've tried to preach. I remember the day that many years ago that I said, Lord, I, I want to be just nothing but a Bible preacher. That's all I want to be, just a Bible preacher. I'm not a great Bible preacher, but I want to preach the Bible. And, uh, you know, you, you give the best you can. That might not be the best, but I've tried to do my best this week. Kind of reminds me of the um, little boy and a bunch of kids sitting in a Sunday school class. And the teacher asked him, said, can anybody tell me where Solomon's temple is? And the little boy said, it's on the side of his head, you dummy. And so, uh, you know, I'm not the smartest cookie. I'm not the smartest cookie in the world about the Bible. You'll get that after a while. It's one of those delayed things. Solomon's temple's on the side of his head. And so uh, thank God for the grace of God, Brother Brad. Good to see I mean, uh, Chad, good to see you tonight. And um, I promise you as we go our way, I give you my word, preacher, my prayers will be with you. Your dear wife and your dear family. And uh, Brother Shiflet, the same is for you. Um, Prayer has been an integral part of my life ever since God saved me. And uh, I believe that's where things get done. Let's all stand tonight. I want to go an entirely different direction. Most meetings I preach, I will somewhere preach to sinners in it, but it's not been that way all week. Um, I'm not going that way tonight again, but 
last week, everybody's different. I've got my way about me. I try to just be me. I'm a little slower than most people. But last week, as I was preparing and thinking and studying and praying about this meeting, God burdened me with this message on Saturday. I told Pastor this morning, I thought it was Friday, but it's actually Saturday. And uh, it's amazing that some turn of events and how that the Lord is uh, even beforehand, before ever God's year, uh, God confirmed this in my heart. And uh, I hope it's a help tonight. I really, really do. I preach to help people, and I want to be a help. I want you to turn to Psalm 27. I love the Psalms. Uh, I mean, I, I love the Psalms. They are, they are, Psalms are songs of stories true to life's sorrows. And uh, they always instruct me, edify me, exhort me, encourage me when I read the Psalms. God used this Psalm. I haven't preached this message in years. And God used this Psalm many years ago at a very hard time in my life, and he helped me. And I, I, I believe there'd be something here for young and old alike. No matter what you're going through tonight, I think it'd be something here for you. Psalm 27, verse number one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies, and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, and the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock, and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me, and answer me. When thou saidest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me, put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help, leave me not, neither forsake me. O God of my salvation. One of my favorite verses. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. 
Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I want to talk to you a minute tonight. The title's not big, but it's what's in my heart. I want to talk to you tonight on a favorite psalm for a fainting soul. A favorite psalm for a fainting soul. Let's bow to pray. Father, Lord, I could never give you enough praise and glory and honor, God, for having been blessed to be here with this people this week. We know, Lord, that your family is a large family. And God, we meet new people every week that belong to you. And I thank you, God, tonight that someday when this life's over here, God, that we'll get to spend eternity together. Lord, I pray tonight as we come to the close of this meeting, I realize, God, that the message will not be as in-depth as it has been. But Lord, only you know how deep a message can pierce into the heart and help. And I pray you do that tonight. I want to pray again, God, that you'd bless this dear pastor, a young man, God, with a young family. God, that's got, according to your own grace and mercy, but Lord's got a lot of days left. God, to do an even greater work here. I pray you'd enlarge their coast. I pray, God, that you would extend the ministry of God from this church throughout the world. And Lord, help them. I pray you'd unify them. And may they together love and serve you in the unity of the Spirit, God. Thank you for the one you've saved this week. And Lord, help us tonight. I pray I need you, God, in every way. Please help me. And I'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let me state again, I want to preach on that subject or that thought. As I hope you've learned, I preach expositorily about it just about all the time. I love the Psalms. They're such a help to my heart. Not every psalm, the occasion of which caused that psalm to be written, is given. Some are. You know, several psalms are. Psalms 30 is, Psalm 34, Psalm 51, Psalm 52, Psalm 56, 57, so on and so on. The occasion, in other words, what was going on in the life of the psalmist when he penned the words to the psalm, is given. Um, if you could, obviously, sometimes if you could know what's going on in people's life, uh, how many ever heard, let me just back up just a minute, how many ever heard that old song, There's Always a Rainbow Right After a Storm? Right. How many ever heard that? Very few. Does anybody know how it was written? I was courting a girl in Tremont, Illinois, back in the 
early 80s, about uh, 79 to 80, just before I met the woman I'm married to now. And uh, she was a good girl, good family, had a loving church, great church. And uh, there in Illinois, and there was a son, the pastor had a son and four daughters, and, and uh, they sang together and done a great job singing together. One night coming home from work, the oldest daughter, it hadn't rained in several weeks or months even, and the oil had worked up off of the road where it rained that evening, and it was very slick. She came around the curve, hit a curve and fishtailed a little bit, hit a light pole and killed her on the spot. She was pinned in the car. When the rescue squad and the family got to her as they were cutting her out of the car, there was a rainbow right up over the car. And one of the daughters wrote the song, There's Always a Rainbow, right after a storm. Sometimes uh, a scripture means more to you when you understand what's going on in the life of the man that wrote it. Bear with me a minute. I don't know what's going on in this psalm. I don't know when it was. One of the greatest books I've ever read that tries to correlate the psalm with the occasion of David was written by Alan Redpath on the making of a man of God. Anybody ever heard of that book? It's a great book. But let me, let me just coast out a minute and tell you what I do gather from this psalm. It don't tell when it was written, but let me tell you what I gather from it. I gather, number one, that there was a potentially fearful situation going on in David's life. Look at verse 1. He said, Whom shall I fear? And then he said, Of whom shall I be afraid? And then verse 3, he said, Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Fear is an awful emotion that wells up in the heart of a man when he feels imminent danger is approaching him. And fear is a, something that can absolutely paralyze your life. I'm going to be very slow tonight. It can paralyze your life. If you've never had fear to grip your heart, I hope you never have. Back in 2000, I think it was 13 or 14, I was scheduled to be with you over in South Carolina. And uh, I kept having throat issues. Finally, I went to the doctor and uh, I had a large polyp on the right vocal cord and a nodule on the left vocal cord. And the doctor said it's precancerous and said if, if, if it does not go away, we will have to operate and take your vocal cords out and you will never speak again. I'm telling you, fear gripped my heart. It gripped my heart. And I lived for days in fear. And I don't know the occasion here. Maybe it's Absalom. Maybe it's Saul. But something has caused a situation that's causing fear in David's life. I gather something secondly here. Not only is there a potentially fearful situation, but I gather that there are powerful foes that surround him. He said in verse 2, when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes. Verse 3 talks about war. In verse 6, he talks about his enemies. In verse 11 and 12, he talks about his enemies. 
And so there are powerful foes that have gathered around them, that around him, that is trying to destroy him and causing fear through the work of the foes. Let me give you a third thing I gather from this. Now I'm, I'm hurrying with it here. There is, I was looking at it today, and I never caught this one till today. There is a perplexing future in his sight. A perplexing future in his sight. Look at verse 3. He said, Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me. No, here's what he's saying. I really don't know what's about to happen to me. I'm, I'm kind of unsure. He said, this might be about ready to happen. I, I'm, just, I'm just uncertain as to what my future holds. I don't know what the future holds. He's uncertain. There's perplexity as he's facing his future. He said, I really don't know what I'm facing, and it's troubling me. There's a fourth thing I gathered just by introduction from this passage in verse 13. There is a possibility of fainting in his soul. A possibility of fainting in his soul. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He's saying this, this situation that's causing fear, this thing that I'm dealing with my foes, this thing that's causing a doubtful, uncertain future has the potential of causing my soul to faint. In other words, I feel like I'm out of breath. I don't have any energy. And if I, if I don't get some help, I'm going to faint right where I'm at. Let me say this tonight, and I'll come to him, but I really want to say it. There's only one thing that can help fainting. You know what that is? Oxygen. And spiritually, there's not but one thing that can help you when you feel faint. A breath of fresh air from heaven. A fresh breath from God is the only thing that can help you. Well, allow me a moment now. How does David handle this potentially fearful situation these powerful foes that surround him, this perplexing future that's in his sight, and this possibility of fainting in his soul, how does David handle that? Let me ask you, how are you going to handle it? Now, I know that most of you, this is just preaching. But you can wake up very suddenly into a very different world. I could give you many illustrations, but time will not allow it. What are you going to do? I want to give you four things from this passage that I hope will help you. Number one, David, David, David's deliberations, let me back up. David's deliberations reflected confidence. David's deliberations reflected confidence. Notice what he said in verse 3. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should be aroused against me, in this will I be confident. His deliberations reflected confidence. In other words, he said, my faith is the only thing that's going to hold me in this day. He said, I've got confidence in something. 
Well, what's he confident of? He's confident of three things. Look at verse 1. He said, the Lord is my light. He's confident, number one, that God is his shining light. Amen. I hope you can get a hold of this tonight. Days look dark. Sometimes days look so, so, so very dark. You have no idea what's going on, but thank God he said, I know this. God is not going to let things get so dark that I cannot give light and direction as to how you can go. God said, I'm going to be your light. David said, I've got confidence. I don't care how dark the day, God is my shining light. I want you to listen to me a minute. Listen to me closely. Sometimes in life, we want too much light. I'm very slow tonight. I'm not usually this slow, but it's okay. We want too much light. Many times, Brother Chad, I've headed home. So have you. So have Brother Stacy. Many of you here in other various ways. I've headed home on Friday night. Drive 200, 300 miles to get home four, five, six o'clock in the morning after a meeting and have a night time. If I had to have enough light to shine from here to the house, I'd never start the journey. But I don't need enough light to get from here to the house. All I need's enough to get through the next valley, around the next curve, and over the next hill. Just enough to get through the next valley, round the next curve, and over the next hill. And through the next valley, and round the next curve, and over the next hill. And after a while, I'll pull into 36311 Love's Mill Road. Amen. I do not know what tomorrow holds. I do not have enough light to tell us what tomorrow holds. But I know this. When I get to that point in my life, God is going to be enough light to get me where his word is a lamp under our feet and a light under our path. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He's saying this, I'm confident. Listen to me tonight. I'm confident that God is going to be my shining light. He says something else. He said, I'm not only confident God's going to be my shining light. I'm confident God's going to be my salvation. Y'all helping me out there? That word salvation does not speak of getting saved. The word salvation here means deliverer. He's going to be my deliverer. And really in, in its root form, it means rescue. It means that God's going to be there to rescue me. God's going to be there to deliver me. Look here now. It means literally to snatch out with power. To snatch out with power. Years ago, we were building a new house. Back in 1980, my wife and I first got married. We were dealing a big, big dealing a house, and we dug a well. You folks know what digging a well is, don't you? We were digging a well, and uh, it was real rainy and muddy, and a 80-ton well digging rig came in and dug the well and started to leave. And uh, when it started to leave, it just sunk down in the mud. I mean, it sunk, buddy. She's sitting there, and... and uh, one guy said, you, you got to call down here near Knoxville, a place in Knoxville, Tennessee, and said, you got to call down there and get this guy to bring his tractor and trailer up here, his record to pull it out with. And I said, sir, it'll take a D9. That's a bulldozer, by the way. 
Amen. I said, it'll take a D-9 to pull that thing out. He said, Big Red will pull it out. I said, Big Red won't get that now. It's stuck too bad. He said, you wait till Big Red gets here. Big Red just crawled and backed up to that thing. I said, sir, I won't pull that out of there. He said, preacher, get in there, stick it in dog, and just clutch it. Big Red stood up about four feet and pulled her out of there. He rescued it. He delivered it. There'll be many times in your Christian life you'll be so stuck in the mud you cannot get out. But the Holy Ghost will back up to you, hook up to you, Amen. And thank God, he'll be your deliverer. He'll save you out of the mess that you're in. Thank God. David said, he'll be my salvation. Hallelujah. But he said, not only he'll be my salvation, and he'll be my shining light, he said, he'll be my strength. Amen. I'm having time with you. Some of y'all look like you're about to go to sleep. He'll be my strength. He'll strengthen me. Paul said that the first, no man stood with me. Amen. But all men forsook me. Amen. But the Lord stood by me. And he strengthened me. And he delivered me from the mouth of the lion. And yea, he will deliver me out of every evil work. Thank God he'll be our strength. Don't expect me to explain it to you, but he can do it. Amen. He can strengthen you. I don't understand it. I can't explain it. But I know, bless God, he can do it. I've been in churches where I was as backslid as I could be. Don't tell me you've never been one of them. Well, that didn't fly over real well. But there's something about when you get in a church service, you get around where God's at. God just is able, thank God, to strengthen you. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run, not be weary. They'll walk, not faint. God can strengthen us. God is the strength of their life. Well, number one, David's deliberations reflected confidence. Let me say secondly, <clears throat> in verse 4 and 5, that was verse 1 through 3, in verse 4 and 5, David's desires remained correct. And repeat that, David's desires remained correct. Look what he said in verse 4. One thing have I desired of thee. Now, don't you listen a minute. This ain't a bum on skin row talking. This is the king of the nation of Israel. He said the one thing that I'm desiring above everything else. Look what he said. Here's his desire. One thing of a desire to the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He said this, my desire is to stay in God's house. Oh, you listen to me a minute. Don't you ever get out of the house of God. You need the house of God. All the days of my life. When you're like this little girl, pretty little girl sitting right in front of me right here. Ain't she cute? 
It's where she should be. All days of my life. When you get to the age of uh, Brother Sasser right here, you know where you need to be, Brother Sasser? In the house of God. When you get Spencer's age, you start uh, wanting to get a wife or a husband. I read about a little boy that his Sunday school teacher had told him that he that Adam got his wife from his side. He lay him down on the floor one night and he was hurting. And, and he said, and his mama said, what's the matter with you? He said, I don't know if I can fix and get a wife. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> fix and get a wife. But when you're a teenager, you ought to desire to stay in the house of God. When you get married, stay in the house of God. When you have your first child, stay in the house of God. When you grow old, stay in the house of God. And let some of them saints, bless God, carry your body down there someday and shout and pitch a fit and take you and bury you down there if you have to. But stay in the house of God. I've got a desire to stay there. I'm going to die there if God will help me. I'm going to stay in the house of God. I told our men, we went through a battle some years ago, and some of them left, and some of them just left because they wouldn't stand, and South Fork of Holston River is down behind our church, and I told them, I said, this may not be too spiritual, so y'all can keep a secret, can't you? I know y'all won't let this out of here. I told them, I said, uh, I'm going to tell you something. If we can't do nothing else, a bunch of us men will go down there at the riverbank and we'll black one another's eyes, break one another's nose, and we'll come back up and start all over, but I ain't quitting. I ain't quitting. I made up my mind, buddy, when I got in 43 years ago, if God will help me. Amen! I said amen. If God will help me, bless the Lord, I'm going to stay in the house of God. It's still better than the world. I don't care what goes on. It's still better than being out tunnel all on your way to hell, drinking liquor out of a glass. It's still better to be saved and be in the house of God. It's still better. Amen. Amen. He talked about the time, all the days of his life. He talked about the task. That will I seek after. Don't you listen to me a minute. It won't always be easy. You've got to make up your mind you're going to seek to stay in the house of God. If you, don't, if you don't determine in your heart that you're going to stay there, I'll guarantee the devil will find a thousand reasons and ways for you to get out. I need God's house. I need God's house. I'm telling you not I need the house of God. I need what goes on there. You say, well, it ain't always. Well, we all have sometimes a little dull meeting. Y'all had them. Don't tell me you ain't. Uh, there'll, there'll be every occasion when you just ain't there like it ought to be. But you don't quit. Amen. You come back. God meets with you. And everything that's been wrong. And, a, and just Job said, the visitation of God hath preserved my spirit. Thank God you go back. And God meets with you again. And God makes it all worthwhile to you. He said, number one, I desire to stay in God's house. Verse four. 
But he said something else he desired. Not only to dwell in God's house all the days of his life, but to behold, I desire to behold the beauty of the Lord. He desired to see God's holiness. To see God's holiness. Oh, listen, I ain't making much progress here, but listen to me a minute. The most boring thing under heaven is a dead church service. Excuse my country terminology, but I'd rather be to a rooster pecking. Somebody said, I don't know what a rooster pecking is. It's getting two roosters and letting them peck at each other. Amen. And the reason that church service fails to be what it ought to be, we're not seeing the holiness of God and the beauty of God. When you go to church, you got to see the Lord. I appreciate getting to see you. You all appreciate getting to see each other. But I don't come, I don't mean this mean, I don't come to church to see you. Come to church to see the Lord. If I can get a glimpse of God, it'll help, it'll take care of everything that's wrong with me. I've got to see God when I get that. Don't get up. I mean, you can tell about some things maybe, but don't get up and talk about all the bad stuff that's going on in the world. Oh, Lord, if you want to do that, turn on CNN. You want to get depressed, let Nance walk out on the stage. You'll figure that out. Amen. That's enough to depress anybody. Amen. Some of y'all have no idea what I just said. This fellow right on the front right here, he can tell you he knows. Amen. You got to see the goodness of the Lord. You got to see the beauty of God. I've been in church a time when I didn't see him. Oh, when he shows up. And I know you can't see him, but you know he's there. He's just there in the songs and he's there in the testimonies and he's there in the preaching and you get the imitation and he's there and you see his holiness, you, you see his beauty, you see his grace and his love and his mercy and you see who he is and what he's done for you and you fall in love with him all over again. He said, I don't just want to go to the house of God. I don't want to just stay in the house of God. I want to see the Lord when I get there. Right. Amen. 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 He desired to stay in God's house. He desired to see God's holiness. Look at verse 5. He desired to secure God's help. From the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up on a rock. Now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies. He said, I'm going to seek after God. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to secure God's help. I'm going to inquire of the Lord. Yes. And he said, he'll hide me in his pavilion. What's that mean? Y'all with me? Yes. If, you, if you studied out real good, the pavilion, was a, it's actually a military word. The pavilion. When an army captain came into the camp, they built a little place called a pavilion. And they put the general, they put the most important man in the camp, in the pavilion. And the most mighty men got around the pavilion and protected the man that's in the pavilion. He said when trouble comes, 
God will put me in his pavilion. He'll encamp round about me. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him to deliver them from evil. Thank God. He said God will put me right in the most holy place and he'll protect me in the center of his tabernacle. God, he said, I desire to secure God's help. He desired a fourth thing here. He desired to shelter in God's hiding place. Verse 5. He said he'll hide me. He'll hide me. He'll hide me. He'll hide me. Y'all still with me out there? You know, sometimes, my friend, you know the ministry we and I need as preachers? We need the ministry God told Elijah. Go hide yourself. Go hide yourself. Sometimes a, a silent, hidden ministry can speak greatly to a sinful people. Where'd God go? Where'd God's man go? He said, you go hide yourself down there by the brook, Sheriff. He said, I've, I've commanded the ravens to feed you down there. And you'll drink of the brook. And then one day, God said, now Elijah, go show yourself. <laughs> It's hard to show yourself till you've hid yourself. Right. Most folks want to show themselves or they've hid themselves. Yeah. You hide yourself and get God on you, then God will show you. Yeah. Amen. Hey man, I'm having a good time. Wish you was. Hide himself in the secret of his pavilion. Number three, David not only, David's deliberations reflected confidence, verse one through three. David's desires remained correct, verse 4 and 5. But David's directions remained clear, verse number 6. And now, shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me? Here's his directions that's clear. He said, I'll continue to sacrifice. Therefore will I offer his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I won't get eat up. We call it back home. I've enjoyed preaching this week. I'm hating I have to leave. But we call it back home the muddy grubs. <laughs> Y'all know what the muddy grubs are? When I growed up in the house, you weren't allowed to have the muddy grubs. My dad slapped my head off. I got kind of that way. You wake up, son. David said, I'm not going to get under it all. I'm not going to let it defeat me. I'm still going to offer sacrifice of joy to God. I'm still going to say, Lord, greater them that persecuted for your name's sake. Let them be exceedingly glad and rejoice for great's the reward in heaven. Now 
still offer sacrifices of joy. But he said, not only am I going to, I'm going to continue to sacrifice, he said in verse 6, I'll just think I'll go ahead and sing. I'll sing. Yea, I will sing. Praises unto the Lord. Old Dr. Roloff used to say, when you can't preach your way out, and you can't pray your way out, Dr. Roloff would say, just sing your way out. It works, buddy. Hey, man. Some of the best songs I ever sung, I wrote them while I was taking a shower. Boy, it's good when God puts a song. You just go down the road, hitting the high spots. God has put a song in your heart. The sun's still going to come up in the morning in the east, and sun's going to still sit tomorrow night in the west, and God's still got everything under its control. It still comes up. Brother Tim, we know what we're talking about. It don't come up in the west. You'd have had to be in on the conversation this morning to understand what we're talking about. You're just floating along, and somehow out of nowhere, God just steps in. Like he did the amassed disciples, and just starts walking with them. He says, What's this conversation that y'all having as you walk along? And you're so sad. They said, Why well, are you a stranger to Israel? Ain't you heard? Jesus said, Heard what? Oh, we thought this was he. We thought this was him. We really believed it. They crucified him. He died. Jesus just kept walking. He said, mind if I quote a few Bible verses to you? Come on now. He began to expound concerning himself. They were one person in the world can talk about himself and you not get bored with it. I can't stand a bragger. But Jesus can brag about himself all day. And the more he brags about himself, the more you want him to brag on him. He started bragging on himself. They said, did not our hearts burn while he walked with us. Amen. And thank God helped them understand the scripture and their song began to pick up. <coughs> he said, I think I'll just go ahead and sing. Made up my mind years ago. I don't care how sad I get. I ain't going to let the devil see it if I can help it. I'm going to smile and make him think it's all right if I'm dying inside. No, he said, I think I'll just keep singing and I think I'll keep sacrificing. That's the directions for my life. I think I'll just keep seeking God. Verse 8. When thou saidest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. I think I'll just keep seeking God. I think I'll just supplicate a little more. I think I'll just look at the face of God again. Y'all with me now? Listen at me. If you can only see God's face in your trouble. I can't tell you the perfect, this story perfectly, but I'll give you the best shot I've got at it. It's a true story, but I don't know exactly when it happened. I've Lost the details in my mind on it. One of the Super Bowls in the early 70s. It's a true story. One of the Super Bowls in the early 70s. They were, a team was losing and they were on the, about the two, three yard line. 
and so far behind they couldn't kick and make it. They had to make a, they had to make a touchdown to win the ball game or it's over. There was an old boy there, and the coach called him aside. He said, son, he said, I want you, when this ball goes into play, he said, I want you to knock a hole in the defensive line that this guy can run through and make a touchdown. He said, let me tell you something, son. He said, if the game is lost, you lose it. And if the game is won, you win it. He said, I went out there the worst tape I'd ever been in my life. He said, it's the most pressure I'd ever felt in my life. All I could hear the coach saying, if the game's lost, you lose it. If the game's lost, you lose it. If the game's lost, your fault, you lose it. He said, I dug in. And he said, when the ball went into play, he said, I knocked a hole in the defensive line big enough for a tractor and trailer to drive through. <laughs> they handed the ball off. This old boy ran through. And they won the Super Bowl. And they picked that old boy up that carried the ball through and carried him off the field. And he said, there I stood knowing who'd won the game. He said, it wasn't the guy that carried the ball across the line. He said, I was the guy that won the game, and I knowed it. He said, I was kind of crippling off the stage, feeling sorry for myself. And he said, I looked to the coach, and he said, I beheld the coach's face and said, the coach said, that's my boy. And he said at that moment, it didn't make no difference where anybody else in the whole God's world understood it or not. The coach, the one that mattered, the one that made the difference, he knew. I'm telling you, buddy, when the game's over, it don't make no difference whether anybody else in the whole world knows or not. Thank God the one. Amen. 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 Thank God the one that makes a difference as long as he is satisfied and we behold his face with pleasure for the way we live for him. It's all that matters. All that matters. Oh, I've got to finish my truth here, but I drove some years ago. I'd been down in Florida preaching, and I was so discouraged that nothing happened that week. If God ever come, I didn't know it. I mean, it's just one of them meetings. I prayed for the rapture to come down the week was out. Had no desire to see the Lord. I just wanted to have the mess I was in. <laughs> and the time I drove half the night crying feeling sorry for myself and oh God I've served you and drove this many miles and, and it's been awful I got on up near Tennessee and I got to thinking about that long haired hippie I used to be hair down to here you couldn't see my eyes, and you couldn't see my nose, you couldn't see my mouth. It's covered up beard. Long, stringy hair when God saved me. Put near an alcoholic. And I got to thinking about God coming to me, dragging me out of that mess. <laughs> Saving my soul. I ought have been in hell. I thought, God, I'd sure rather be driving up this road. Hey, man. I'd rather be driving up this road serving you 
I've still been out there like I used to be. And I could kind of look up and kind of in my mind I could see God smiling back at me and saying, you give it your best. Number four, and I'm done. David's deliberations reflected confidence. David's desires remained correct. David's directions remained clear. Verse 9 through 14, David's doubts remained under control. David's doubts remained under control. Verse 9, Hide not thy face far from me, Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been, he's looking backwards at what God's done for him in the past. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God, of my salvation. He has no doubt about God's face in verse 9. He has no doubt about God forsaking him in verse 9 and 10. He has no doubt about him falling in verse 10 and 12. 11 and 12, teach me thy way, O Lord. Lead me in a plain path. That word plain means level. A level path. The cause of mine enemies. Deliver me not over into the will of mine enemies for false witnesses risen up against me in such a brief cruelty. He had no doubt that he wouldn't faint. He said, I had fainted. He said it would have happened. Except or unless... I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Let me close. Listen at me closely a minute. I used to read that verse and thought he meant that I'm hoping for a better day. Except I hope that I can see a better day. I don't think that's what he's saying. I want you to listen at me closely. This is not the land of the living. We're not in the land of the living. We're in the land of the dying. He said, except I'd believe, unless I believe to see a better day in the land of the living. The land of the living is in the other world. It ain't here. This is the land of the dying. He said, unless I had known that I'm headed to heaven, and someday I'll live in a land where there'll be no dying, and there'll be no sorrow, and there'll be no pain, I'd fainted. I'd fainted. Sometimes just the fact of knowing that in a heartbeat, son, in a heartbeat, we can be over this and with Jesus forever and ever and ever and ever. And he said, the, listen, he said the cure, the cure for a fainting heart is a faithful hope. The cure for fainting is faith. Listen at me closely. Faith and fainting live next door to each other. You choose which door you're going to walk through. Listen, I'm done. A favorite psalm for a fainting soul. Do you have a fainting soul tonight? You feel like it's your soul or something inside you that's about died? 
Are your deliberations and confidence as your desires correct? Brother, if you'll go to the piano, let's all stand. There's help for you. You don't have to quit. There's help for you. Don't faint. You'll reap in due season if you faint not. There's hope for you. There's help for you. There's help for a hurting heart. There's help for a hurting heart. Life throws some pretty bad curves. Life throws you some pretty bad curves. You'll not be able to figure them all out. Sometimes you'll feel like you've been knocked out. David said, I want my desires to be right. Trouble causes you to desire to follow the flesh. If you're not careful, and still follow the call of faith. We don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. I really felt last week God gave me this, and I didn't know what would be among us. But there's help for you. There's help for you. Please believe that. Brother Shiflet sang a while ago with his congregation, and I stood there and thought about it. I mean, really thought about the song. His eyes is on the sparrow. I thought, Lord, standing there, I thought, God, if you see the sparrow, and he said he did, you must see me standing here in this seat tonight trying to get ready to preach. <laughs>